Welcome to the Success in South Carolina podcast, where we will be hearing the untold stories of success from some of the top achievers in our home state of South Carolina. These neighbors of ours will also share their time-tested personal philosophies and solutions to inspire us, educate us, and help us find peace, joy, and love, along with a purpose, a mission, and a vision for our lives. And I'm your host, Jonathan Peoples. Our guest today lives in Greenville, South Carolina. He is an associate partner at Frederick Fox, where he is a highly technical recruiter with a long history in the agency world. He is an expert in digital marketing, advertising, retargeting, direct outreach, and many other creative approaches to recruiting. Much of his career has been focused in the building materials and construction industries, but he also has the unique ability to adjust strategies based on the industry and function of his clients' needs. So, if you're looking for a new job, or if you're a company looking to hire the best talent, make sure to listen up. In addition, something you won't find on paper is that our guest has a great sense of humor and a high level of outside-of-the-box thinking. I am truly excited to share his story and his wisdom with all of our listeners. Welcome to the show, my friend, James Aiken. Hey, James. Hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Doing great. Hey, listen, man, I really enjoy your sense of humor. Just on LinkedIn through digital posting, where do you, <laughs> yeah. where do you get your sense of humor from, James? Uh, I think it's uh, part of being an only child and having to entertain yourself all the time. A lot of, a lot of inner thoughts, a lot of, uh, I think that's probably where it stems from. Maybe a little bit of craziness. Who knows? Yeah. I think that a lot of people get their sense of humor from uh, the crazy times in life, right? Like the yeah. uh, the setbacks. You have to learn to laugh at life or uh, you're just going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. I, I think actually I heard someone uh, mention earlier this week, the whole, you know, if, if you don't laugh, you'll cry kind of thing. So I, I'm, <laughs> right? I'm right there with it. <laughs> okay, speaking of if you don't laugh, you cry. You went to USC. Are you a Gamecock fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am a Gamecock fan. I'm staying steady throughout it all. You know, I, I got the ring. I got the degree, so I have to stay steady. We actually did. I can't remember his name off, off the cuff, but we actually did get a five-star recruit yesterday on the defensive side. I believe he's a defensive end. So maybe things are looking up. I know you're a Clemson guy. Yeah, but your coach right now, even Dabo Sweeney said, I'm supposed to hate this guy, but I can't, <laughs> right? He's just a good dude. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good guy, and I'm glad that we got him. And you went to college, interesting, interestingly enough, right after the real estate market crash of 2008. Perfect timing to get a real estate yeah. degree, right? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah, one of the, you, man, you, you got your degree in real estate management. What yeah. made you go that direction? Yeah, so... I mean, I have to, in order to tell you that story, I got to tell you this story. So when I uh, came up through high school, I actually spent two years in an engineering program, wanted to become an architect. And then I found out, hey, it takes a lot of work and a lot more years of college to become an architect. And I was like, ah, maybe, maybe I won't do that. And I ended up getting, I was like, okay, well, maybe we'll get into the, the real estate development side. You know, maybe I'll hire an architect, right? So I got into the the real estate. I think it was just the, the school of real estate, I guess you'd say, at uh, USC and learned a lot of great things. It was mostly on development, marketing, finance. I don't know, just buildings had always interested me from, you know, being a kid. I know my one of my grandfathers was a, a more of a civil engineer. The other one was a 
he was in sales, but we would always ride around the town and he'd say, oh, I, you know, I did work on that building. I did work on that building. And especially being from the area, I mean, before I lived here, I was in Mississippi. I was in a smaller area in uh, in Georgia called Warner Robins. And I was always enamored by skyscrapers. I had to look up, you know, what are the tallest buildings in the U.S.? What are the tallest buildings in the world? And was just always amazed by buildings and going into big cities and just seeing the skylines. And so just always was obsessed with, with real estate from um, almost an art standpoint, but then also a, a business standpoint. And I like the whole land thing too, right? The whole, you know, God's not making any more of it. So I do like the, <laughs> the land side, but that, that's what originally yeah. got me interested in that. Yeah, there there is a limited supply. One of the only things yeah. in this world, there's a limited supply of dirt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's jump in here, James. You have had you've had your own challenges professionally, personally. Would oh, you sure. mind sharing some of those challenges, obstacles, oh, setbacks, uh, how you figured out how to overcome? Oh man. So my challenges, my biggest challenge is myself, probably. Isn't it for everybody, right? Yeah. I constantly look back from, you know, in years past where usually I was my own worst enemy. So when I first got out of my, actually my intro into recruiting, I worked for a a local company and uh, I went in there and I thought I was going to own the business in five years. I thought Mm. move over executives, move over managers. I really felt I guess we could just say I had high self-esteem, very high self-esteem. Yeah. (laughs) And so, in fact, actually, the funny part is, you know, I got out with the the management degree and, and, you know, the first jobs I was applying for was um, a branch manager. I thought I was going to take over a a multi-million dollar branch and they would just hand it to me because I had a bachelor's degree. Yeah. I was like, okay. You've got this degree on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I I can manage according to this piece of paper. So... (laughs) And I found out very quickly that was not the case. But luckily, that is what got me introduced into the recruiting industry through, I'm not sure if I can say his name, but it was a fellow that worked there. And he said, hey, you're not really a branch manager. You can't really do this, but we've got this uh, role over here. I see you've got this background and experience. What, what do you think about that? And I said, wow, it sounds a lot better than my job moving boxes for a, for a local moving company. I said, that sounds way better. In fact, it's $2 an hour better than what I'm currently uh, at over here at the sub yeah. moving company. So I said, that sounds like a great deal. Uh, and I get air conditioning. Oh, that sounds like a great deal. So, <laughs> yeah, back then, $2 was a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. And you're not having to break your back moving stuff. Well, exactly. And it was in the summertime. It, talk about a challenge. That was my physical challenge, I guess you'd say. Moving furniture during the hot, hot summers of South Carolina <laughs> and standing in the right. back of a, a, of oh. a box truck, folding those heavy, heavy uh, mats that we use to protect. Furniture. I have nothing but respect for the guys that do that. <laughs> nothing but respect. Uh, it, it was it was brutal. It was brutal. And people would be drinking sodas and stuff all day. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys can do that. But oh. It's uh, yeah. So back to the challenges. I mean, I I actually think that I've had a pretty good life up to now. Maybe I sound like an old old man, but I, versus some of the things that I see other other people deal with, it hasn't been that bad. I think yeah. that uh, my challenges again just all always stem from 
myself, maybe just having a uh, a different view of reality than it actually is. We can get it more in detail, but you know that. Sure. So how do you how do you deal with that challenge? Then how do you? Because I know a lot of us have our own blind spots, right? Oh man. Well, the the best way to find out that the stove is hot is to touch it. You know, I'm I'm very good at uh, learning from mistakes. I guess you'd say I had to ultimately become very good at learning from mistakes. And I tell you, I got very smart because I make a lot of mistakes. But uh, that's really the only way that I end up overcoming is you gotta gotta adjust. Um, I, I like to think about a lot of decisions from like a pendulum perspective. You know, you can you can a lot of times you're on one side and maybe you go a little bit too far to the other side, but eventually you end up right there in the middle in a sweet spot. And yeah, I think it just takes figuring out when you've gone too far. So on the spectrum of perfectionist versus I'm just going to take action and not even think about it. You're somewhere in the middle. Then you do a little bit of, well, I I would say I am far. I was years ago. I was definitely a perfectionist, but now I am way more, just take the action, just get it out, just ship it, just, you know, get the metric, you know, because yeah, like I said, you always get better through activity. You know, you can't get better just thinking about things. Uh, I'd love to get stronger by thinking about doing curls, but it, it just doesn't really work that way. You have to get out there. And, can't and think about the doing that, the crunches and get a six pack abs, right? <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be nice. I would like, I'd like that kind of workout, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like I remember. Even if that did work, I feel like people wouldn't do it. <laughs> no, no, then it's still, be still too much. About it. <laughs> it would be way too much. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember having like a long time ago having a fear of being public, having a fear of like even like posting, getting my image out, you know, being on video, just publicizing myself because you're you're worried about what are people going to think or what are and it's just kind of. You eventually you're like, why would I restrict myself based on this like imaginary conversation that I'm having uh, on what someone else thinks? You know, why would I limit what I'm able to do in life based on what this imaginary person might think? Chances are they won't think right. anything at all because they won't even see what I'm doing. But but yeah, I don't know. I think that's, we think way too much of from. ourselves, and most people don't even. Yeah. As soon as you leave the room, they they forget who what you did and who you were, and that you fell oh, over, yeah. you tripped, you did whatever. I feel I feel like a lot of us are taught, James, that failure and success are opposite into the spectrum. <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know, it's funny. I think I actually heard a one of your other podcasts where they were talking about that and like in school and oh, it's pass or fail, it's this, it's that, and uh, it's not. I mean, you can't or actually what we were talking about earlier, I mean, you can't have success without failure. I'm sure in a vacuum you could, but it's failure is what creates the success. Right. I remember it was one fellow you had on that was talking about Thomas Edison and finding yeah. a thousand ways to, to not create the light bulb. Right. <laughs> and, right. And, and I think that through failure creates resilience and you, you start to understand how unimportant you know, in the grand scheme of things, a failure is yeah. because a lot of people are just so afraid of failure. They can't succeed, but really the only way to succeed is to fail in a way. Yeah. Cause even failure creates ingenuity, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, you, and you have more data, you have a, now you have a better idea. Well, just like the Edison thing, right? I mean, now you have a better idea on what does work, what doesn't work. 
you know, maybe a different approach that you can take. Yeah. So what keeps you going through all of the, the failure? What keeps you pointed forward, right? Because a lot of people hit a barricade, hit a, hit a challenge, hit a setback. Even if it's minor, James, some people mm-hmm. hit a setback and go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to sit on my lazy boy, kick up my feet. And this is where <laughs> I'm going to live for the rest of my life. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I don't even have a lazy boy, but I would, <laughs> I would, I would say, I don't know, just because you want to win, you want to expand, you want to do more, you want to see what you're capable of. So what's winning look like for you, James? Control of my time, my life, the opportunities that I can take on, control of what I can can have time to learn and do and develop, setting the direction of my life, where I want to be, uh, who I want to spend time with. Winning is, I think it boils down to uh, a word of just ownership, complete ownership of myself. You know, in a lot of situations, like when I worked for the moving company, I I didn't own probably about 60 hours out of that week. And I was making, you know, 10 bucks an hour. And that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun. I didn't own that time. And I had to go in and my time is best spent on doing things that, well, I I think are most optimal, whether that is learning a new set of skills, um, trying something new, you know, working on my, my health and wellness that's really what winning is to me is having ownership, complete ownership. So you use, you use the word control, James, but the way you defined it yeah. almost sounds more like freedom to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you have to take, that's the thing. You, you have to take freedom. Yeah, I know we have the God-given right of freedom and is reiterated Exercise by our constitution, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's all these external pressures that are, that are vying for your time and attention as well, right? I mean, there, there's things we got to do. We all got to pay bills. We all got to, there, there's a lot of small things, but you have to figure out a way that you can take back that time and take control of your freedom because, I mean, that's what it is. People are, people, things, and events are always fighting to to take that away from you. What do you feel like is some of the, one of the major life lessons you learned from a challenge or a setback or an obstacle that you had to overcome? Oh, that's very, it's very general. (laughs) Let me think. It was a lesson I learned over a challenge that I had to overcome. Yeah. In other words, in other words, something that you would say, some people look at the the bad points in life, the setback or whatever, and say, man, I wish that didn't happen. But something that Um, you learned a lesson that was so valuable that you're like, well, I'm in a way, I'm glad that happened to me because I got something out of it. Oh, well, I I think um, a lot of time it, I mean, this isn't going to be very exciting, but when it comes to business metrics, uh, when it comes to, you know, activity metrics, it's easy to rest on your laurels when you're doing very, very well. But then comes the time that (laughs) <laughs> the rooster, it was the, the, the roosters come home to what, what to nest. I don't know what it, the, the, <laughs> the phrase is, but you end up, you don't sow the crops, the crops don't grow. And then you're sitting there with no crops. So mm. it's learning that you have to always have your, your foot mm. on the gas pedal, uh, even in good times, you know, you, because if you're not pushing just as hard as in the good times, the bad times are right yeah. around the corner. So kind of growing fat on the harvest from last season, but yeah. not worrying about planting harvest for next year. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, I, 
it's probably only been twice that I've like really hit that, but it, it's just like the touch of the stove thing. It's, I have to do that in order to realize, in order to remind myself how painful it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, I got to make sure that this does not happen again. Yep. Yep. And it's a, that's a valuable lesson. I know you were saying very generic and might not be exciting, but James, that is a super valuable lesson to keep the, for, especially for people that are in sales, keeping yep. that pipeline full, you know, you may be having a great sales season, but if you're, if you're not still pumping that pipeline, that sales season you're in will eventually grow dry. Oh yeah. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Yeah. You don't want to get too uh, fat and happy as they say. Yeah. Well, normally, so the podcast is called Success in South Carolina, James. I normally yeah. ask people how they define success. I think you kind of already did that by saying control, freedom, whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, is, is that how you define success? Well, of course, we have to mention, I, I will be one of the gaudy people that says financial success is a big part of it, right? Because that's what creates, you know, that's a byproduct of freedom. It doesn't matter how much time you own of your own. If you get hit with a $50,000 medical bill and can't pay it, money is a big part of freedom as well. Uh, sure, so sure. I think financial success is is fairly important to me as well, because it's just a uh, it's tied there in with time freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. OK, so success, financial freedom, financial success, time freedom. What do you, if you had to give a TED talk, James, what are your two or three personal keys to success? So one that I always think of with one of the partners in our business is, and it might sound very simple, but it's, it's fish where the fish are. So we, we have this case where sometimes we want to fight the market and this is going to get very micro, but we saw that what was going to happen with tech about four or five months ago. We, mm-hmm. we knew whenever people were pulling back. And one of the people uh, in our team was like, no, nah, just double down on it, double down on it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, we have, we're getting all this activity in this other vertical. We need to be pouring into this other vertical because we're getting more activity over here. Let's not like, basically, yes, we could fight and fight over a sh- at the time, a shrinking market, but why would we? What, what do we have to gain over it? I'm like, let's fish where the fish are. Let's go after where everything is is hot and, and popping and work over there. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, another one I was thinking about was let your hands do the thinking. So this is more of to go all the way back to whenever you were you were talking about, you know, are, are you the type to be a perfectionist or to just go out and, and get it and go out and do it and just throw something out there. That's what that that'll go to show you. I'm way more about just throwing it out there. And then it especially applies to situations where we've got to make phone calls. We've got to connect with certain people. We've got to talk about certain things. And sometimes there's that hesitation where you're like, ah, maybe I can, maybe I can put this off. Maybe I can think of something else that is quote unquote productive to do. Maybe I can, Maybe I can trick myself into being distracted for a little bit. And when I usually, if I notice hesitation, I just go ahead and just, I, I try to almost go into a meditation, meditative state and just let my hands do, type out the number and hit hit send. And I try not to even think about it. And then all of a sudden the phone's ringing and you know I, I have no choice but to talk to this person now. Mm. I have no choice but to do this thing. Uh, it's the same with going to the gym. One of my old 
coaches would always say, the hardest part is getting through the door. And so mm, I would yeah. always just think, okay, just, just get me through the door. Like some, some days I would feel like crap. I don't want to go. I'm sitting in my truck, maybe a little bit too long. And I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I'll just walk through the door. I always convince myself if I just walk through the door, if I really want to, I'll turn right back around and leave. But that's never happened. Once I walk through the door, then I want to do the workout, you know? And so it's like, if I can chop it up like that, then more, maybe, maybe going to the gym isn't monumental, but I'm like, more monumental things uh, become a little bit easier. You get to, what's the phrase, uh, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. That's Mm. usually how I like to, to look at it. Um, yeah. And I know like, what was it? Brian Tracy's got the, the saying, if you, if you've got to eat a bunch of frogs, eat the biggest frog first. Yeah. Just, just yeah. eat them. Just don't, don't look at it. Just eat it. Yeah. Just do it. If you, yeah. Cause most of the time it's just your brain holds you back from so much that your hands could just solve all the problems, but you want to let it just float around mm-hmm. in your brain instead. But I do like the, what is it called? Eat that frog, I think is the book. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I've got that frog Brian that. Tracy. It's good. Yeah. Dude, this is why Tracy. I love to keep people like you in my life, James, as a reminder, because <laughs> I am definitely sway on the perfectionist side, right? Uh, uh, just had to give a speech and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours preparing this speech. Whereas a friend <laughs> like you, and I've got another friend, Daniel Allison, he was uh, the yeah. average guy. He was, he was on the him. podcast. He's one of those, just go, just do it. Just do yeah. it. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's, I love. I would say like, get a, get a note card. You know, you only have seven lines on it, basically pop seven bullet points and then just, just go at it. You already know <laughs> all this, all the stuff you want to talk about. You already know. So yeah. You just, yeah. You just go out there and wing it. Yeah. So I've got to keep people like you in my life to keep that balance for me, I, yeah, but I it's great. So and, you, gave, you gave me two. You said you got another. You've got fish oh, yeah, for the yeah. fish are. Let your hands do the thinking. Well, I, I was going to say Daniel Allison is also, you know, he's a member of Toast. Is it called Toastmasters? So he is yeah. like a master speaker. But sure, uh, I would say one of the other ones, very old school, but, you know, plan your work and work your plan. So I like I and for obvious reasons, if I make a schedule, if I schedule out my time, my calendar's full. I'm writing down the results. I mean, well, you can't see it on audio, but I've got I've got tons of books and things that I track all of my activities in. I want to be able to look back, see what I did, be proud of what I did, stick to what I say I'm going to do. It's um, ooh, I know that you really like uh, Jim Rohn. One of the big things oh, yeah. for for me, I loved hearing him when he said, "Don't start the year till you've got it finished." You know, don't start the day till you've got it finished. Don't start the week till you've got it finished. And it's like, yeah, it makes complete sense. If you don't know what you're going to do, you know, why just start, why just go out there and start flailing around and just doing this a little of that, plan it out, figure out your plan of attack, and then, yeah, plan your work, work your plan. See, now you're speaking to the perfectionist inside of me. See, this is like, this is <laughs> like the like, battle that goes on it. in my head, James. You've got that, man, I want to plan. I want to plan my work and work my plan. I want to wait. I want to plan the day before I do the day, but it's just uh-huh. the, when does the plan get done and the work start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you like that, that Abraham Lincoln quote, then I think it was, if I had a, if I had an hour to chop down a tree, I'd spend 50 minutes uh, sharpening, the uh, axe. sharpening my axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that is what you got to act, though. You got to swing the axe eventually. But yeah, I mean, I, I can I see where you're coming from. 
It's yeah. uh, constant yeah. battle, constant oh, yeah. battle. But you know, everybody does that. You, you just have to figure out what that balance is and everybody's got their own personality style, but it is definitely one of the reasons why James is an asset in my life. Daniel's an <laughs> asset. I've got other, I've got many other people like this that are just, you're going to be a best friend for the rest of my life because you, I need somebody like you to, to keep me balanced or That's I will right. just continue to go in this world and plan and plan and plan and never get anything done. <laughs> Um, another another one of the reasons I even have the podcast is my brother-in-law Gary Gaffney the very first person I interviewed said hey John just do it just start because again the perfectionist in me was like how do I get audio how do I get the website how do I get he's like just just do one let's I'll be your first person you interview and we'll be we'll knock it out and uh and man it was it's been downhill ever since I've I've done (laughs) so many things wrong but uh, I, I feel like I've done a couple things right. One number one is yeah. getting some of the best people on here, like James and Daniel and some other people on the podcast. Oh yeah. Well, it's funny you say it's. I don't know. It's funny to hear the the uh, dichotomy of like your story of starting this and then Daniel's story of starting his, where he's like, yeah, yeah I just I just hit the button. I just hit the button and started talking. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> it's um, why he and I he and I are. We're, we're best buds now because we've got to figure out we've got, we balance each other. Oh yeah. Another one. I always think, and, and I know that these might be a little bit too businessy focused, but I, uh, I always say don't force a fit. And that's not just for like the recruiting world. I know that in the recruiting world, I never want to have to convince a candidate of a job. I want to be able to lay out, lay out what the opportunity is. And if they're naturally attracted to that, if it makes sense, then I want them to go for it. I never want to try to, I never want to have to twist someone's arm uh, Mm -hmm. because it, it doesn't work in the long run and it ends up, they'll lose trust in you. And even worse, they're going to debate. They have a lot more time to debate what you've said outside of that conversation in their own head. You know, you can say, oh, this is, you know, you have your 15, 30 minute conversation with them and, you know, you can say it's great. Oh, it's actually this. It's actually that. But then if they feel hesitant about it, they've got, you know, 23 and one half hours left in their day to think about why what you said was wrong and Mm -hmm. talk with other people and, you know, get their opinion. And they're going to say the same. And then it just sows distrust. So, yeah, it's like don't force a fit on anything. I mean, there's some times where you, you have to push a little bit in life, Sure, but I think if it, in a lot of situations, if it doesn't fit, it's just, it doesn't fit. Like why force anything? Don't, don't put a square peg into a round hole, man. It's just frustrates the peg. It frustrates the hole. It frustrates. And you said it's (laughs) not, it's not a long-term success strategy. Maybe you can, maybe you can pull the wool over one person's eye, but not for long, not forever. If you're wanting to create long-term success in life, you can't do that. Yeah, you you create a bad name for yourself. You burn too many bridges, and so the the last one I did have here, and this is very woo wooey, as uh, one of my partners would say. But I'd say bet on yourself and maximize the risk. So, and again, it kind of stems from our business, right? But your best investment is in yourself. Hmm you know, versus whether financial or whatever it might be, you're never going to get better returns in the stock market than you could get by investing in yourself, learning a new skill, learning a new ability, spending more time on a certain thing that you're doing in certain pay scales. 
I always wanted, of course, I want base salary, right? Of course, I would like money up front, but I would way rather have that commission mm. and that variable compensation dialed all the way to the to the nose as far as it can go because I want to bet on myself. Mm. I want to be able to have the maximum return for my time. I'm going to do the work either way. I don't need mm. the upfront money. I don't need it because I'm going to be successful. Right. I'm going to I'm going to get the results that you're looking for me to get. Mm. So I don't need this uh, and I know I'm going to get them. So why not let's take all the risk off of your hands, put it all onto my hands. So we can just get this done and we close it out. Yeah. But yeah, I think when you look at people, whether they're changing roles, again, learning new skills, just venturing out into different opportunities, it's like invest in yourself, bet on yourself and maximize, maybe maximize, we should say maximize the risk for reward. Mm. But usually those are pretty, pretty in line. You don't want to maximize risk just for the sake of having more risk. Right. But you maximize the risk reward. Or max, maximize the potential reward based yeah, on the risk, there we right? Go. Maybe yeah. that's a nice way of putting it. I'm a daredevil. So maybe, maybe I like the word risk. Well, so speaking of investing in yourself there, mm-hmm. do you have any books you recommend? Oh, man. So kind of overplayed but i really do like and and i'm not saying this is the best guy in the world but uh i do really like the 10x rule uh by grant cardone yeah uh, just from a metrics and a and a pushing outwards and a affecting the world and a goal setting standpoint mm. one book i thought was pretty interesting was the follow up from rich dad poor dad which was called why the rich I think it's called Why the Rich Keep Getting Richer uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. That one was very good because it was more intricate and it was more technical than the first, mm, yeah. first book. I like uh, that in the cash flow quadrant. He's written a lot of good books. Yes. Yeah. 48 Laws of Power, right? Maybe that says Ooh, something about yeah. my, my personality, but that, that yeah. was a very good one. Great book. Let's see. Uh, what was Influenced by Robert Ginaldi? Okay. Shin- I've never Shinaldi. heard of this one. Influence. Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically just all about persuasion, mostly about persuasion. I'll have to check that one out. And then one that I did really like it was uh, cash for. I know we're getting all over the place, but do it cash advertising, which is mostly like a copywriting type book. Or the one that I'm reading now is fairly boring. Uh, well, t- to the average reader, I guess you'd say. Uh, what are you reading right now? It's a, it's, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's basically, it's a book about uh, tech tools for the sale, for sales development. So it basically just goes through a lot of different AI and machine learning SaaS platforms to be able to pull market. And now I feel like everybody's like <laughs> All right. snoozing. You're now. right. Yeah. Everyone is falling yeah. asleep at this point. So let's move yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so very dry, very dry. It's not, uh, not exactly. Well, I mean, there's some dry books out there that are, that are very, you know, if you like data driven stuff, you know, the millionaire next door is a super dry book, but man, it's got yeah. a lot of data. The, uh, yeah. from good to great. Jim Collins, another data-driven book, but man, there's a lot of good stuff. And a lot of Jim Collins's books are that way. But uh, outline, Matt, Malcolm Gladwell, another one of those authors oh, yeah. that very much, if you like dry stuff, you like data, those are great guys to listen to. 
Yeah. I actually haven't, I haven't read too much Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, I'd have to check stuff. that out. What's, yeah. what's your favorite from him? Oh, it's hard to tell. I, I like outliers. I even mentioned that book when I did my talk just, uh, just the other day. Really good book. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Well, Hey, listen, I, enough about my book recommendations. Let's go <laughs> back to you, James. Oh boy. Uh, so let's, let's pivot <laughs> here. Let's talk about you, your, your job, your clients. You work at Frederick Fox, your associate partner yep. there. Yep. Yep. What type of clients do you work with? So just about anything across the board. So to, to back up, I had spent about seven years in the building materials industry, mostly doing sales and operations. Now I'm a little bit more focused on finance, accounting, and tech. But coincidentally enough, right before you know we jumped on together, I was speaking with a uh, a building materials business that was looking for a VPSLs. So it's really any any type of business, typically middle tier, that's looking to add to their team, you know, at the individual contributor level or above. We work just about anything other than I would say legal doctors. We don't get into that too much, but outside mm-hmm. of that, we're pretty wide open. And where can people find you, James? Probably best spot is going to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Under okay. James P. Aiken. James P. Aiken. And yeah. you guys have a website. Frederick Fox has got a, yeah. a, a very robust website. Frederick, is it frederickfox.com? You got it. You got it. Okay. That's the one. And if you guys connect with them on LinkedIn, make sure you tell them John sent you. There you go. And uh, dude, been a pleasure, James. This is awesome. Anything else we need to talk about, promote or? I think we've about covered it. And I appreciate you asking me to be on. It's been fun. I, I, I'm surprised a Clemson person would want me on their podcast. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Dude, because I love South Carolina. I root oh, for, that's right. I'm root. one of those, I'm one of those weird people. I'll root for the Gamecocks. There you go. I want them to be number two at the end of the year when we beat them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're a little, we're a little ways from that, but we'll see. <laughs> All right, listeners, let's get out there and make our world, our country, and our community a better place. When you succeed, we all succeed. And as always, this is a friendly reminder that the left lane is for passing. So speed up or move over.